Welcome back to the G3 podcast. As we think about this current pandemic and we have much time on our hands to read and to think through specific reading lists that we've compiled for some time, for me, I wanted to go back and look at a specific issue related to this current social justice movement. And yes, there is a real movement. I know many people have tried to avoid the reality of a social justice movement within evangelicalism, but there is one. And as we think about it, we need to look at the movement itself and how it's structured or how it is fueled along. And one of the ways that we look at that engine, if you will, to this social justice movement is centered on the way that we interpret the Bible itself. So biblical hermeneutics matters. The science of biblical interpretation actually matters. Now, when it comes to reading the Bible, is it really true that you have to have a certain lived experience before you can unlock the truths of Scripture? Is it true that you have to read the Bible through a specific lens of ethnicity or a certain lens of gender or a certain lens that you have somehow lived out in your own resume of life before you can actually come to a full grip and grasp of what the actual text of Scripture teaches. Well, that's exactly what some people are suggesting today. This idea of standpoint epistemology is a very dangerous biblical hermeneutic. Now, when it comes to standpoint epistemology, we're going to talk about what that actually means in a moment. But we need to think in terms of reading the Bible and gaining knowledge and understanding what the text of Scripture actually means. We can't treat the Bible as if it's some sort of painting, an abstract painting in an art gallery where people stand six feet away from a canvas that's strategically positioned on a wall with overhead lighting as they interpret the meaning of that abstract piece of artwork. Such meaning, if you approach meaning through that lens, it becomes fluid and subjective. But that's not the way that we approach the Bible at all. Now, standpoint epistemology is this idea that uh, really emerges from standpoint theory, which is a theoretical perspective that really argues that knowledge stems from a social position. Now, this perspective denies that traditional science is objective and suggests that research and theory has marginalized certain groups of people. So in other words, this comes from a Marxist argument that people from oppressed class or classes and gender groups have been marginalized. And if you're going to really understand specific areas of life from their perspective, you need to start with them and, and read life through their lens, if you will. Standpoint feminism is the theory that feminist social science must be practiced from the standpoint of women or specific groups of women. Now, that perspective was shaped greatly by the work of a Canadian sociologist named Dorothy Smith, who in her book titled The Everyday World as Problematic, a Feminist Sociology, written in 1989, she argues that sociology has ignored and objectified women, making them the quote-unquote other. In a similar way, the scholar Patricia Hill Collins suggested the following. She said, quote, My reading of standpoint theory 
sees it as an interpretive framework dedicated to explicating how knowledge remains central to maintaining and changing unjust systems of power, end quote. Did you hear that? She is suggesting that standpoint theory is an interpretive framework that's used to change unjust systems of power. Now, when you think about what she's communicating there, she's saying it, she's saying an awful lot. She is suggesting that this idea of standpoint, in other words, where a person is positioned in a culture, that that specific standpoint is a means by which if you approach a system from their vantage point, you can see how they've been oppressed, and then you can manipulate that specific system to bring about change that would bring about equality for that specific individual. Now, at this point, it's very clear that standpoint epistemology, that standpoint theory itself, whether used in the world of feminism or evangelicalism, is used as a weapon to bring about change within systems. In a similar article, Patricia Hill Collins uh, speaks about black women as agents of knowledge. Listen to what she writes. She says, quote, Living life as an African-American woman is, is a necessary prerequisite for producing black feminist thought because within black women's communities, thought is validated and produced with reference to a particular set of historical, material, and epistemological conditions. African-American women who adhere to the idea that claims about black women must be substantiated by black women's sense of our own experiences and who anchor our knowledge claims in an Afrocentric feminist epistemology have produced a rich tradition of black feminist thought, end quote. In other words, if you will understand life through the lens of an African-American woman, you need to start with an African-American woman's perspective. In other words, you can only understand it as it's rightly identified and defined through her lived resume. That's what she's saying. Now, when we think about identity politics, identity politics operates with a specific goal of deconstruction to deconstruct a power structure and then rebuild it with specific power players or people in the seats of control that will do things the way that you believe that they should function. The idea is that all oppressed groups with their own specific group identity cannot really function with true freedom within systems that have been created and operated by white oppressors. In their view, the best way to move forward is to deconstruct the power structures and rebuild with the right people in the seats of power. Now, this type of thinking leads to the termination of leaders within denominational structures and educational institutions in order to replace those individuals who occupy some oppressor category or resist the progression of the woke movement with individuals who stand in line with that woke idea of thinking. Now, some have called identity politics a form of postmodern religion. So they would say something like this, original sin is equivalent to oppression, specifically 
white privilege, that repentance is equivalent to the admission of privilege, to admit that you're guilty of white privilege specifically, and that conversion is really conditional, it's works-based, and it's equivalent to being woke. And sanctification and obedience, the practice of your religion, is equivalent to activism. Now, this is a ruthless postmodern works-based approach that suggests that you must always be working to maintain a status of wokeness. Ongoing penance, admitting guilt, self-shaming, checking your privilege. Whatever the culture says is woke, you must move in that direction. Now, when we think about reading the Bible, we need to think in terms of how do we read the Bible and how do we come to what the Bible actually teaches? How do we come to the meaning of a text of Scripture? Well, this is where we get into what's called biblical hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science of biblical interpretation. It is the goal of the expositor. It is the goal of the reader of the Bible to get to the true meaning of the biblical text. In order to do so, there's a process that one goes through when reading the Bible. You must evaluate language. You must evaluate terms that are contained within that passage. That vocabulary must be identified within the context of that passage and then move beyond the circle of that context to the way that the author of that specific book of the Bible uses that specific terminology elsewhere within that same specific book. And then beyond that book to other books of the Bible that that author actually wrote. And then you go on and on and trace the terminology throughout the totality of the Bible itself. And you see how that specific term is used elsewhere. And then you move uh, again back to that specific context and see how is the author using this word in this specific context. And so the goal is to drill down and to come to the one single meaning of the original author to the original audience. Now, such a process involves a literal, grammatical, interpretive lens by which you read the Bible and by which you come to understand what the Bible is teaching. Now, this enables the reader to then apply the text to the modern audience without applying or changing the meaning of the biblical text based upon external factors or circumstances. Now, the framework of postmodern identity politics, such as standpoint epistemology, this idea that you derive knowledge based on where you stand, in other words, the lived experience that you have gained, standpoint epistemology and other methods within this postmodern identity politics sort of framework are fundamentally opposed to the God-ordained methods of reading and understanding the Bible, period. They are simply opposed to the biblical hermeneutic that God has ordained from the very beginning. Do we need a specific lived resume to interpret, to preach, and to apply the Bible to a modern audience? Timothy certainly never understood Paul to tell him to just sit down and shut up because he was not able to approach Ephesus and deal properly with real sinful issues of oppression and sexual misconduct from the standpoint of a woman in Ephesus. No, that's not at all what Paul said. Paul instructed Timothy to do what? To preach the word because it's the word of God that's sufficient. The scriptures are authoritative. 
originating outside of man and flowing from God himself, who is able to address all cultures, all people groups, all sin categories, and point people to their hope in God through Christ. You see, the scriptures teach a God-glorifying approach to justice. And the scriptures shine a spotlight on all sin categories, and God will ultimately bring about justice that will bring glory to himself. Now, when it comes to the Bible itself, we must understand that historically, scholars have taught this idea that's known as the perspicuity of Scripture. The idea of the perspicuity of Scripture is the basic understanding that Scripture is clearly understood by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, the Bible is unable to be understood properly because the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. You see, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the text of Scripture says, Paul is again writing to the church in the city of Corinth, and he says this, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, again, Paul does not articulate this idea of standpoint epistemology, that one must read the Bible through a specific lens, this postmodern way of reading the Bible so that you can understand the Bible. That's not at all what Paul teaches. And again, scholars throughout history have argued that we must rely upon the Spirit of God. So in other words, we don't look internally to a standpoint within a culture or a specific lived experience to then read the Bible through that lens. No, not at all. John Calvin has rightly stated that the testimony of the Spirit is superior to reason. For as God alone can properly bear witness to his own words, so these words will not obtain full credit in the hearts of men until they are sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. Now notice that. He goes on and says this, quote, For though Scripture in its own majesty has enough to command reverence, nevertheless, it then begins truly to touch us when it is sealed in our own hearts by the Holy Spirit, end quote. Again, we rely upon the Spirit of God because the Scripture's genuine meaning the Scripture's true meaning, as it was intended by the original author to the original audience, was set in motion by God Himself. The historic understanding of perspicuity means that the Scriptures can be properly understood apart from ourselves. In other words, it's not based on lived experience or anything within me personally that enables me to get to the true meaning of the text. It's the power of the Spirit that enables me to properly discern the text and to read the text in the way that the text is intended to be read through a proper, literal, grammatical lens. Now, standing on the philosophical shoulders of individuals like Immanuel Kant, postmodern philosophers insist that clarity of meaning is only to be found in the reader not in the text itself. That is critically important to understand. And this is precisely the position of standpoint epistemology. Interestingly enough, 
today there's a, a new trend within the social justice movement that's emerging where you see specific individuals on social media who are advocating a specific way to study the Bible that begins with reading scholars and theologians who are non-white by ethnicity and often non-male by gender. Before you ever read a white male scholar or theologian, start with a non-white scholar who is not male. In other words, read a female that's black before you read a white male. Individuals within evangelical groups and circles are starting to promote this by, by way of a reading list. Now, many of those same people who advocate that way of Bible study, I have to just ask an honest question. Do they do the same thing when it comes to approaching a cardiologist or flying in an airplane? Are they really interested in receiving medical treatment from the very best physician, regardless of skin color and gender? What about air travel? Are they interested in the very best pilot who can actually operate the plane with skill? Or are they interested in finding the, the person who has a specific skin color and gender? to make sure that they're flying the same amount of hours as someone that's a white male. Do we read the Bible through a lived experience? And do we need a community of lived experience in order to have the right understanding of the Bible? Or are we capable of reading the Bible and seeing what the meaning of the text is? Because the text is illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes these words. He says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. The meaning of the text and the truth of the text has already been established by God, the Holy Spirit, through the human author to the original audience. The Spirit of God guides the reader of the text, guides the, the preacher, guides uh, the scholar to understand that single meaning, and then to faithfully apply it to the modern audience. It is the role of the church to guard the truth and to proclaim the truth to the whole world. Much like John sees in his majestic revelation in Revelation 1, as he is given this revelation by Jesus himself, in Revelation 1, he turns to see who is speaking to him, and he sees that this one who is like the Son of Man in the midst of the seven lampstands. Now, these lampstands are identified by Jesus himself as being a representation of the seven churches that are spoken of there in Revelation chapter number one, who would be the recipients of those very letters. And yet, as we think about that idea of a lampstand, the church's role is to proclaim the truth to a world that's full of darkness. It is not our job to manufacture truth or to assign truth. It is our job to proclaim the truth. And it is our job as the church to defend the truth. But this idea of standpoint epistemology is this idea that we read the Bible through a specific lens and we come to understand the Bible more fully. Well, that is simply not true. And that is, that is an extremely dangerous way of approaching the text of Scripture. It is not our job to assemble as a community of believers, a diverse community of believers. 
in order to blend a matrix of lived experiences in such a manner that provides the true meaning of the text. That is not the way that we approach Bible study. Now, as we think about this social justice movement, we must be very clear that this way of controlling biblical hermeneutics will have a massive impact not only on denominations, but on local churches. So I would encourage you to watch closely institutions and educational institutions within your denominational circles and listen carefully to the language that they're employing, the language that they're using within the realm of biblical hermeneutics. Beware of this infusion of identity politics into evangelical circles and institutions. Like a horrible disease, it will attach itself to the mechanisms and the framework that is most likely to have the most damaging impact, and that will be in how one reads and interprets the Bible. If the method of biblical interpretation shifts to include a form of standpoint epistemology, the concrete single meaning of the original author will become fluid and will operate like a slave to a depraved culture that seeks to twist it to serve the agenda of the always progressing and never satisfied woke movement. We must be very intentional about standing against that methodology. Remember the words of Richard Baxter who once said this. He said, before and after you read the scripture, pray earnestly that the spirit who wrote it may interpret it for you, keep you from unbelief and error, and lead you into the truth. So I want to encourage you as you think about your own reading of the scriptures. I want you to think about the way that you approach the reading of the Bible. You should always do so with this idea of finding out what the original author intended to the original audience and then bridge the gap from that ancient context to your modern context, to your own life, and then seek to submit yourself to what God is teaching in that text of scripture. We must reject the idea that one must read the Bible through a specific lens and that certain individuals who have a specific lived experience are are more valuable to us to unlock the meaning of the Bible. That is simply not true. And so we need to stand firm on the sufficient and the authoritative Word of God. I would encourage you to continue to press on, to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor, your labor is never in vain in Christ Jesus, and continue to be a profitable and contributing member of your local church for the glory of God. Until next time, God bless you.